This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast where we talk about the pandemic's impact on real estate. I'm Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. Today, we're speaking to Cushman and Wakefield Vice Chairman Joanne Podell. The veteran retail broker famously brokered Nike's Fifth Avenue flagship deal, one of the biggest retail leases in the city's history. Today, things are quiet. She's working on deals and she's busy, but she doesn't expect to collect commissions for a while yet. This is the craziest thing. As I mentioned, that a period of time where I was sick, but I'm fine. Um, and so there was a real delay in my in my pipeline. But since I'm fine, I'm back to work. It's really accelerated. Now, having said that, do I know whether I'm going to get any deals? <laughs> I have no idea. But you know, I'm doing a couple of things that I didn't do before, which is I'm really looking at my retailers and thinking. How can I serve them better? It's such a hard time. And that's by providing information about new technologies that they might be able to use, employ as they make decisions on new space, you know, predictive analytics. Cushman's got a very, a very um, diverse and robust technology group. So I'm doing that. And it's great because I'm learning, you know, and I'm working with our logistics and supply chain folks and bringing some of our clients in on Zoom calls, of course. And we're talking about what we can do to help them to be more efficient and to save money and how to better operate their facilities. So what I've done is, in addition to trying to put deals together, which we can, there, there will be deals, but they're, they're, they're next year and the year after. And is to really service our clients in a way that's meaningful to them. And we, we won't make commissions in the next year or so. Um, hopefully uh, people, and I always worry about this with young people, we had those crazy days and years and people were making super money and I just hope they didn't spend it all. Because every young person that I work with, I would say to them, nothing is forever. Don't spend all your money. But um, the, the deals will come back and, and the city will come back differently. Not the way it is today, but it'll come back differently. When was the last time you actually, you know, deal done, closed, got it, got the commission? Got the commission is the problem. We probably closed, I mean, this year, we probably closed 30 deals. You know, some very hard to, uh, to get paid. Landlords are short on cash and uh, they owe you money and they'll, you know, you're the last on the totem pole, so to speak. So, but there is, there is that activity. Um, what's, what's upsetting is to see the amount of availability. And the, I just heard today, Uniglow on 34th Street is going to close their store. They have seven, maybe eight years left on a lease. And so that's bad news. And I, and I think 34th Street's a perfect example. This is a great street. It is a commuter street. It is a tourist street. Of course, I'm a little bit prejudiced because I represent Empire State Realty Trust in the Empire State Building for their retail. But it's incredible retail. And what people don't realize is when you cross Fifth Avenue, the entire easterly portion of the city from maybe um, 23rd Street going north to maybe 38th Street and going um, east, it's huge residential community. And so the, so many of those people will come to Macy's and, and shop the 34th Street Corridor. So it's a great corridor. And a great corridor with Long Island Railroad, with Madison Square Garden. And it's struggling. 
And so that just tells you that it's a, it's a problem that we'll have to deal with for, for a while. I know that Victoria's Secret's in a bad way there. Unfortunately. I mean, they're suing, they're trying to sue SL Green. I know. They're in, a, they're in a big dispute there. I mean, do you think that 34th Street and those sorts of kind of premier strips as they were are, are going to be able to come back? I mean, it's the same story on Fifth. Yes, they will. They, they will come back. They'll come back in two ways. They'll come back with new tenants, not startups, but new tenants. Um, they'll come back with some tenants that come back to the street after many years because they can now afford it. So, you know, the rents had really gotten high, as we all know. The problem is not just the pandemic. We saw the writing on the wall in advance. And I think that's a very important thing that people should understand. It just became too expensive to operate in New York. And rent is only one factor. You know, the taxes are significant and they keep going higher. And as the revenue for the city gets less, did you know the city's, this is so interesting to me, the city budget, 53% is based on income from the real estate related. So now what? You know, you think about that. So so back to what it is. The, the pandemic of course, accelerated everything. And then you do have e-commerce, which took a portion of the retail, of the bricks and mortar. And then you have a situation like this, which just takes down so many tenants. So it's, it'll come back, yes. But I think it'll come back slowly and the absorption will be slow. But ultimately, it's a great street. Fifth Avenue is one of the most important streets in the world, you know, and it, that won't change. Times Square, I love Times Square. And once the theater comes back, the restaurants will follow, the tourists will follow. And I, I think that's what we have to hope for and expect. What are people willing to offer up the landlords to get these deals done? Is it- well, just- I also represent landlords. So yes. I can okay. give you, exactly, so I can give you a perspective. Yeah. So um, landlords, there's two landlords, there's two kinds of landlords. There are landlords that have significant issues um, and they have a bank behind them or a loan, and they're, you know, very uh, shaky, and they may or may not lose their building. So um, we have those. And then we have the, the landlords, you know, the old families that really didn't over leverage themselves, and they're going to wait this out, right? They'll make deals, but they're going to wait this out. But consistently, the, the rents have come down in every trading area. They, they vary depending on the trading area we're talking about, but they're coming down. And as the pandemic ends and we begin to see a return to the offices, those rents will stay down, but they'll be more reasonable and there'll be opportunities. How much of a cut have you seen and where are the biggest drops? Oh yeah, so the cuts are everywhere. There's not a market where the trading area market, sub-market where the rents have stabilized at at the, the number they were a year or two ago. They can vary. It depends on the deal. It depends on the landlord. It depends on whether he has cash and he's willing to do what is consistently what I'm seeing, which is even on not huge deals, a year free and a year of TI on a 10-year deal. That's a lot. And when you think about that, what the net effect of rent comes down to is 20% less, right? So it's it's what we're seeing. And it's, this is consistent. That's brutal for the landlord. It is. That's why I said there are two kinds of landlords. The landlords that are not over-leveraged and the landlords really about to lose their buildings, unfortunately, and there are a number of them. Do you think we're going to start seeing more of that? Absolutely. 
Can you name any names? No, <laughs> I can't. It does feel tense, doesn't it? I mean, there's lawsuits flying between retailers, Gap suing, Gap's being sued. Valentino suing. That lawsuit, I, I don't, I still don't understand how that, that they represent that the street is not what it was and therefore. When they signed that deal, it was supposed to be the bastion of luxury and, and now right. it's not. Well, there's still some luxury. And, and, you know, just look what Harry Winston just did. I think that's exciting. They took part of the Bindle space, expanding. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's very positive and it talks about belief in New York and luxury. But clearly, luxury is above 50th Street in Manhattan. It's not below. That tension that's brewing, those fights that are happening between landlords and tenants, what's your, I mean, you're speaking to people all the time. What's your kind of sense on the word on the street of what the end game is there? How's that going to shake out? You know, I'm not a finance person, but the banks will take them back and then, Somebody else will take over it at, at a cheaper value and they'll be able to uh, offer the space at a lower rent and we're back in business. It's just a cycle, I guess, a painful yes, one. Exactly, a very painful one. And I really feel badly for the, I don't own any property, so it's easy at my house, but you know, I don't own any commercial property. So, but I feel terrible for these guys because many times, you know, we hear about all the rich ones, you know, the superstars and they're great. But there are so many landlords, you know, medium, small size landlords own a couple of buildings. Tough to make a living, maintain the buildings, pay the taxes. The taxes are probably one of the biggest issues that we will face going forward. How do you view some of the protections that the city council has put in place for retailers? Like, for example, that landlords can't harass tenants out of space or go after their personal assets if they owe rent because of the crisis. I mean, how... Because you represent both sides, both landlords and tenants, I guess you can see it from both sides. I, I mean, do. I do what's see your take on that? Legitimate landlords, legitimate tenants sit down together and come up with a plan. The, the problem is there are some landlords that are really, they're not correct and, and they, they may, um, they may not, understand, I think maybe not, not necessarily not, they don't understand the dynamic. And so they're insisting that these, these local guys pay perhaps what the existing rent is. And so you have the city council saying, listen, these guys can't pay it, leave them alone for a few months and we'll see what happens. Well, the problem is you have the bad guys who come in there doing perfectly fine and so it becomes an issue. Uh, the city council, I know that they want to do the best for the city and for their people, but by not allowing landlords to get paid or to um, have a tenant leave because they're not paying rent, they're doing nobody a service. The, the landlords need to be able to cover their expenses to maintain their buildings. They don't have income. I'm not talking about the uh, SL Greens of the world and you know the Brookfields and the Vernados. I'm talking about the local guys. H- how will they manage? And by the way, I am talking about the Vernados and the rest. How do they pay their bills? They have maintenance now. They have huge expenses in fixing these buildings so the air filtration systems are better and putting in place all kinds of new security measures for health and welfare. And so 
that costs a fortune. Where is that coming from if people aren't paying rent? And yet, it's a dilemma because you don't want empty stores, right? So I really think it's a dialogue between the specific landlord and the specific tenant. It, to just put a blanket law out there that says, you don't have to, you can't evict me, whether it's residential or commercial. I, I just don't think that that makes sense. You said you've done about 30 deals this year. Yeah. Although getting the commissions is another matter. <laughs> when do you think that's going to start flowing in? Well, I think it'll happen. I, you know, these are good people. It's not that they're trying to cheat us. I think they're struggling. And I expect next year, as people start to have cash flow again, we'll all start to see uh, an improvement. But I don't think we'll see an improvement until, I would say, end of 21. Wow. What yeah. sorts of deals are actually getting done? Like what sorts of retailers? Oh, it's um, right now, I think the most exciting is watching um, the Home Depot deals. You know, they're doing some renewals and, and new deals, some big box stuff, because it's just an affirmation of New York City. And then, you know, we, we did some things on Madison Avenue in the upper Madison Avenue area, some local tenants that are, you know, moving into the community who couldn't have afforded it before. We did a few of those. We did some stuff on Third Avenue and uh, some renewals for TD and other things. But it, it's, it's hard because you want to advise people properly. And how do you value the real estate? How do you value, what is the rent really, what's the proper number for the rent, right? If you're too low, the, the landlord is going to struggle and maybe he'll default on his property or he won't maintain it properly or the rest. Um, and if it's too high, the tenant can't make money. So that's why it's a dialogue. Everybody, I think that the key to the next year or two, and maybe in the future, one would hope is a partnership. Not a literal partnership where they own property and they own the retail, but a, a partnership where people work together to uh, find a way to um, manage the, the cost of the buildings and the cost of the rent and share the expenses. That's what a lot of the restaurants want. They want a percentage. Yeah. They want to pay a percentage of their sales. Well, you know, in some, it depends on where, you know, in the, in the CBDs, the commercial business districts, where these restaurants are in big towers and big office buildings, it's also an amenity for the building. So it's, there's a benefit to the landlord. And so to hire a chef and his name and bring him in, it makes a lot of sense. And that works. I don't know that it would work so readily in a, in a smaller building. You know, um, when we had that drink what, nearly two years ago now at the Baccarat. Oh, is it two years? Oh yeah, crazy. Well, it feels like 10. Um, yeah. You said, I said to you I couldn't believe that Lord and Taylor building closed and you said it didn't surprise you at all because it just didn't have a place anymore. Has, right. there, has there been anything that's happened since that has surprised you? I'm thinking Neiman Marcus going bankrupt, for example. Not a surprise. Not, Not a surprise. surprise. No. Um, and I really feel badly because I really like Hudson Yards. But, you know, it's a great brand. I think it's a great brand. But there was so much competition. And, and Saks really stepped up and spent a lot of money redoing this store. And it's well-located. So it was, it was going to be tough. And you need to bring people to Neon Marcus. You need to draw them to Hudson Yards. And over time, I think they would have. But time was not on anybody's side. 
What do you think overall is going to happen with Hudson Yards? I think it's going to be a success. I think it's going to just take years. Yeah, as the residential develops around it and the continued office um, tenancies, I think it's going to be okay. New York is resilient, and I and I I like Hudson Yards. I like the concept, uh, and you know it fits something which I've been talking about a little bit, which I find fascinating, and I'm trying to learn more about it. Is it's called a 15 minute city, right? You when you walk. And so I think that this will be a perfect example. You can have everything within a small community. And as, the, as the, um, the whole corridor along 9th Avenue, particularly 8th Avenue, as it changes and there's more residential, you'll have that. And you'll have everyone have a, an opportunity to be part of it. And uh, Hudson Yards can be the anchor. What areas of the city do you think are in, most in trouble when it comes to retail? Soho, I think. And, and the reason for that is not that I don't believe in Soho. I believe it's because we need the tourists back. And the tourists there is twofold. It's not just the European or Asian tourists. We have the visitors. You know, it's, there's a distinct um, demographic of visitors three hours or less, right? So you have the people coming from New Jersey or from Long Island, the suburbs, or from Connecticut, Philadelphia. They come and literally come in for the day. So we, we're losing everybody right now so I think it hurt them the most yeah I was walking around Soho the other day and it is brutal there it is there's a lot of availability heartbreaking but it's going to come back you know the the pay the the rent and the retail is one conversation the other conversation is when will it come back right they're there they're struggling they it'll come back as we see the pandemic slow down and we'll, it'll come back really, I think in a very strong way as new tenants come in and pay obviously much less rent and can stay there and consistently be in business. Yeah. It used to be in Soho kind of these cute, unique brands that you didn't get anywhere else. Right. A little bit, yeah. you know, it become incubator on the, some of the smaller streets. I think it could happen. So Soho's in most in danger. What's doing the best? I don't think it's in danger. I don't think that's Suffering the right word. I think, str- yeah, I, th- I think it's struggling, but I think it will come back. What's doing the best, do you think? What's the best equipped for this? Believe it or not, interestingly enough, I, 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 Upper Madison, because it's a neighborhood, and you, know, you can see that there's a lot of deals. I, I'll never remember the names of all these small, cute stores, but bunch of stores have opened on Madison Avenue in the 70s and 80s. And that, that's a very good sign. Um, so it's really filled in nicely. Um, the area around uh, Apple, you know, the Apple store, I guess, 74th Street, it's great. I was there yesterday, not in the Apple store, but uh, along the Madison Avenue corridor. And it, it looks lousy, but the Apple store looks good. And further north is starting to fill in. And people live there, you know. That's part of the... The, the transportation area, the areas like in Grand Central and Times Square, Times Square consistently has improved in terms of the foot traffic. Every week it's improved. That's without theater. That's without many restaurants, right? And why? Because people are coming back to work. And so if you look at the stats, it's still the most visited and the most inhabited trading area of any place else in the country, even as bad as it is. 
So it just tells you that we have density here and we'll just have to take advantage of it over time. It's also, what about getting your, you need to get your employees back into the, into the stores. They're people, they're afraid, you know, we have to worry about them, worry about the employees, worry about people on the subways. Most people are still, even if they're using them, are worried and nervous about it. That doesn't help. So there are a lot of challenges. We're coming up to what would normally be like the best season. I'd say December is like one of my favorite months in New York because it's parties and it's seasonal and it's fun and there's shopping and shows and that none of that's here this year obviously how i mean are there retailers you think are going to be pushed over the edge without the kind of normal december crowd i think our greatest concern are the restaurants hopefully some of the retailers are, you know i just read a statistic that thanksgiving the shopping and thanksgiving they said that um retail is down 51 percent and that e-commerce is up 21%. Interesting, right? Which goes back to your point of talking about logistics. I mean, what kind of changes or what kind of advice have you given to your clients to try and, like, make them more efficient? Well, I can't do that. (laughs) That'd be pretty presumptuous of me. (laughs) But I I do think that um, if I can offer them information about new technologies that can help them, then that's what we're doing. And I have to tell you, I don't know a lot about it. But as I learn more, I am so impressed with so many of the programs. We have, you know, predictive analytics talking about where a store should go. The amount, you know, using artificial intelligence. You can't imagine the, the detail that we can get, you know, use that. They use MasterCard information. They use credit cards. They use um, Uber. There are so many ways that they can gain this information and, and create a, a model. And I, I'm learning more about it. I'm just fascinated by it. I feel like it's it's so great to learn it, but it's more important to be able to share it with my clients. And I'm starting to. So that's something that came out of this for me personally is I had the time to learn more and to be able to offer more. You uh, famously did one of the most expensive retail deals in the city ever, which was, and I know you won't confirm or deny the number, but it was the Nike flagship. And the rumor is that it was $700 million over the term of the lease, which is an extraordinary number. Um, Do you ever think you'll do a deal like that again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Um, I don't know. I think I'll do, I think I will do, at least we're working on something now. I, I think potentially one or two more like that in the next number of years. I do believe that. Um, why? Because there's great product out there and there are great tenants out there. And if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity to have relationships with great owners and great retailers, there are things that you can do that are exciting. And I, I kind of, I really love what I do because I feel like at the end of the day, I help the landlord and the tenant to make good decisions and to become more and to be profitable with the deals that we put together. So for me, yeah, I do think I'll do a few more. Even though the changes that we've seen in retail, even though everything that we've, we've been through 
as a society, as a global yeah, society? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I think there'll just be new retailers that we didn't think about that could do retail, right? Whoever thought all those years ago that Apple would be a retailer and look at them, right? There are technology companies out there that will be, some of them will become the next retailer. Joanne, thank you so much. My pleasure. Be well. Um, Let's look forward to uh, another drink where we can do it in person, not a virtual one. I'm very much looking forward to the day that we can go to a swanky hotel. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Take care. Be well.